Okay guys, it is uh, nearly 4 o'clock in the morning here at Belmar, and uh, this is Don coming to you with another Belmar Medical Minute. we got with me George, Jen, and our paramedic David, and we're going to be talking about some interesting cases. So, let's start off. Let's pretend David isn't working his night job here, but he's working on the paddy wagon. And he calls up to Swedish, and George is there, and he says, hey George, I've got a VIP I'm bringing into you. Let's pretend the year is 2000, so this guy is still alive, okay? And George says, oh, who is it? And he's like, ah, oh, it's a funny guy, and he gets no respect. George, who is it? I have no idea. Anyone? Funny guy gets no respect? Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield is correct. So Rodney Dangerfield comes into the room. He's wheeled into the bay, and you get a first set of vital signs. He's febrile at 104. His blood pressure is 100 over 60. His heart rate is 145 and looks a little bit irregular and he's satting around 96%. And what Dave tells you is, hey, Rodney has not been doing well for the last six months. Just been feeling really weak. He's not been eating well. He's lost a bunch of weight. And, you know, over the last two days, he's just started spiking these high fevers and now he's really confused. Anyone want to tell me George, we're going to focus on you here. What do you think might be going on? What you'd be worried about in febrile, Rodney? Sepsis. Sepsis, great. I think all of us are trained as emergency providers to jump on the sepsis wagon. So let's say, yes, this guy's got sepsis. He's febrile, he's tachycardic, he's got clear-cut SERS criteria. Now you look at Rodney Dangerfield, and Rodney Dangerfield looks like Rodney Dangerfield, except you know he's sick. But in addition to that, he's sweating profusely, you know, he's pretty damn agitated. He just keeps on moving on you. You look at his hands and he's got this fine tremor whenever he's reaching for the bed, for the bed railing. And during the workup, the ER doc goes in there. He asks Rodney a few things. He sees he's a new onset AFib. And he says, hey, you know, this might be, you know, he might be sick from a few things. He's been feeling bad for a while. Let's get a CT scan to check him out. So Rodney goes over to the scanner. Now let's pretend that Rodney comes back from the scanner. And after an hour or two, you've started your sepsis workup, you've started antibiotics, you've done all this. Rodney just starts to tank. His heart rate is now in the 180s. He's still in this terrible AFib. His blood pressure has gone down to punch. And his temperature, despite the fact you gave him Tylenol, has gone up to 106 degrees. Okay? What might be going on with Rodney? I'm going to give you the answer. It's not sepsis. Encephalopathy? Encephalopathy is definitely a thing. He's, he's obtunded. He's, he's, you know, he's out of it. So he's definitely got a component of that. But what's the root cause? And it's unfair to you, George, because the other two already know the answer. Jen asked for this medical minute, and she asked for an obscure thing called thyroid storm. Uh, what a cool-sounding thing, right? The thyroid is storming. Let's now take a step back. Let's just talk about the thyroid a little bit. So the thyroid lives right in your neck, right? You know what thyroid means? I'm a geek for Greek etymology, right? So thyroid actually means shield. And it's because the thyroid cartilage, if you ever looked at it, looks like an old Greek shield. So they actually named it after a shield. But the thyroid is one of the most important endocrine organs in your body. It's important with growth and it's important for sensitization to basically all your catecholamines, right? So your thyroid really modulates how your body adjusts to adrenaline and cortisol. If you have a thyroid level that's too high, your body's hypersensitive 
to adrenaline, hypersensitive cortisol. So that's one of the reasons why they actually have tachycardia when people have a high thyroid level. And when their thyroid is way too low, even if you've got a bunch of circulating adrenaline, you'll often have bradycardia because your body is just ignoring all that epinephrine, okay? So let's go back to Rodney. First of all, what's Rodney Dangerfield known for? If you've ever seen any of his movies, this guy's got big, buggy eyes. Rodney Dangerfield has exophthalmos, okay? That's our fancy-ass medical word for that. And it's because he actually has hyperthyroidism. Now, other clues that this might not have been sepsis is when you have hyperthyroidism, you're actually in a hyperketabolic state, right? Hyperketabolism. So you're sweating like crazy. It looks like you've drank way too much coffee. You might have a tremor, okay? And then people are often agitated, just like they've done meth or something else. They can't stop moving. And the last thing, sorry, is AFib. AFib is really commonly associated with hyperthyroidism. So all that together, kind of put together, might tell you, hey, this might not be just our plain old sepsis. And the last clue I'll give you is look at people's necks, because they, they might have a goiter right? And that might mean that this might not be sepsis. So now we know what it is. Why did Rodney get so much worse once we took him to CT scanning? It's because he got a big dose of iodine, right? And this has been mentioned in multiple case reports that iodine can sometimes precipitate a thyroid storm. So to have a thyroid storm, you usually have to have two things. One, you have to have a basically high circulating level of thyroid hormone. And then two, you have to have a physiologic stressor. So the big take-home point for this is something usually throws people into thyroid storm. That could be an infection. That could be surgery. That could be a big stroke. You know, it could be pregnancy. So there's something else that usually happens that combines that high circulating thyroid function and then a high circulating catecholamine function. So those two things together are bad, bad juju. So let's say we know what it is now. How do we treat it? Jen? I don't know. Corticosteroids? Yeah, that's a component of treatment, right? And this treatment of thyroid storm is actually uh, an interesting thing because it has steps, okay? So step one is usually giving them a beta blocker. You want to slow that height rate down and beta blockers also make you less sensitive to catecholamines and there's one in particular that we love with thyroid storm what is it do you guys know not metropolol brother propanolol you're right and the reason why we like propanolol is because it reduces conversion of t4 to t3 right so we have thyroid levels and we have basically a thyroid stimulating hormone which we often test we have T4 and we have T3. T4 is actually made by your thyroid and pumped out in your body. And then multiple organs in your body, your liver, etc., convert T4 to T3. And T3 is around three to four times as strong as T4. So the less T3 we can make, the more we can inhibit that, the better. And propanolol does that. So first one is usually try to slow them down. Give them some propanolol, okay? The other things that we give them are really medicines you only have to know for thyroid storm. They're methimazole and PTU. And both of those are usually oral, oral uh, medications that help your body not make more thyroid hormone. You block your body from making more thyroid hormone 
with those two medications. After that, there's an interesting thing where we actually give people iodine. The same thing that put poor Rodney into thyroid storm, we actually give them a big ass dose of it. And why do we do that? Well, once we've stopped the body from making more thyroid hormone, giving a big slug of iodine by what's called the wolf shakeoff effect actually decreases iodine release. So it's another way to make sure that we decrease iodine release. Then there's other things that we can give too. One is by giving a steroid, and Jen pointed this out, steroids actually decrease conversion of T4 to T3. And then the last thing, which is kind of a weird one, is sometimes we give people cholestyramine, okay? The same thing that we use to sequester bile when people are super itchy, like your cirrhotics, just because it decreases absorption of, uh, of thyroid hormone from your gut. It decreases what we call enterohepatic circulation. That's not something we'll often give in the ER, but that's what they might do in the ICU to just help kind of reduce that uh, thyroid burden. Finally, these people are sick as stick, okay? They need to be in the ICU. They need to be managed often by an endocrinologist. We have to resuscitate them like we do a septic patient. And oftentimes it's really reasonable to treat them like a septic patient, give them antibiotics, give them something, because they often have a trigger and that trigger is often an infection. So really, really interesting subject. Physiologically, a really cool thing to talk about. Really darn rare. But next time, if you have someone who's been sold to you as sepsis, and there's just something in the back of your head that says, hey, this might not really be sepsis. They just don't look like the typical sepsis patient I've seen. Think thyroid toxicosis. Look for the things that might suggest it. Look at the eyes, look at the neck. Ask them their history. Okay, guys, you have questions? What was the difference between what's the difference between thyroid crisis and thyroid storm? Okay, so a thyroid crisis and thyroid storm are pretty much the same thing. Now, thyroid storm is a pretty common vernacular term, medical vernacular, I guess, that we use for it. But, for example, you can have high thyroid, high thyroid and you can be sick from it, but you can't be in thyroid storm. Thyroid storm really takes that two, one-two punch, right? High circulating thyroid levels and then something else going on that makes you release all these catecholamines and makes you really hypercatabolic. Okay? So you can diagnose someone with hyperthyroidism, but they might not necessarily be in thyroid storm. Now, there's actually a scoring system because that gradiate, gradation between, hey, really bad high thyroidism to thyroid storm is kind of a gray zone, right? What one provider might call thyroid storm, another one might not. And what an ER doctor might call thyroid storm, an endocrinologist who lives and breathes for the thyroid might not, okay? Really, it depends, I think, for us on your gestalt of is this person sick or not? If they're sick and they're tachycardic and AFib, look shocky at all, and they've got hyperthyroidism and you think they're sick because of their thyroidism, I'd probably treat it like storm. Okay, David's good. Okay, say, say goodbye to the good people out there then, Dave. Goodbye. <laughs> Jen, parting words? That was very interesting. Thank you for that medical minute. George? It was a very good medical minute, very informative. Okay, awesome. Goodbye from Belmar, people. <laughs>